0: Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker, along with uh, Jeff Long and Nick Solomon. Our guest today is one guy that knows a little bit about competition because he's in a competitive world every day. He is the Senior Portfolio Manager, Chief Equity Strategist for Nuveen Asset Management, and a dear friend, Bob Dahl. Bob, welcome to the program, sir. Well, Happy New Year, sir. How are you? Uh, happy New Year to you. It seems like January is over and done, and it just we just started, if you know what I mean.
1: I know, the month went fast, it was a little sloppy in the markets, but uh, these things happen.
0: Yes, it does. I want to talk a little bit about, just as a quick review, uh, you know, your overall scoring normally has been phenomenal. Would you consider 2014 one of your better years? Or would it have been one of your lackluster years for your forecasting? That's a tough question, but I just want to hear you talk about it.
1: Yeah, we've averaged 75% uh, over the years. We were 65 last year, a little bit below average, but we've had worse years for sure. Oh, yeah. uh, our most important prediction is the one on the equity market. And we got that exactly right. We thought stocks would have another good year despite enduring a 10% correction. So uh, we got the correction and we got the nice up year.
0: Well, and you did. And, you know, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, because I, I really think a lot of our investors are, are concerned about this. We're going to talk a little bit about interest rates going up. I mean, we talked about that and you've actually made the comment and all of us did that interest rates would have had to gone up in 2014. But now we're talking about serious interest rate rising sometime this year. So I, how do you feel about that having didn't happen last year, but the indications it'll happen this year?
1: Yeah, I think uh, the good news is it's going to happen because the economy is doing well. Uh, I can't wait for the Fed to begin raising rates as an equity investor. That would signal the economy is okay and probably means uh, earnings are okay, notwithstanding the energy and the dollar thing that I'm sure we'll get into.
0: Yeah, right. Also, one of the things that was a struggle last year was for the active managers outperforming index funds. Now, you know, for a lot of us, we look at you guys as being the gurus and making it happen, but it was a tough year last year.
1: Well, it depends who you talk to, Jim. My large cap core portfolio was 700 basis points ahead of the s and I think you're right, the average ma- ac- active manager underperformed. We did very, very well for our clients and uh, feel really good about it.
0: All right. Well, I know a lot of people struggle with that, but I appreciate what you do and you always do a great job. But let's start with your 10 10- economic and, you know, thoughts and process, your investment predictions, the 10 predictions that you're famous for. And I guess the first one right out of the bat, that the U.S. general, the the gross domestic product grows at 3% for the first time since 2005. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, we think uh, the economy in the U.S. is operating on more cylinders, Jim, than it has in some time. If we get three, it'll be the first time in almost a decade. Uh, The consumers come to life on the back of... uh, Uh, job growth, it's accelerated noticeably, and the benefit from uh, low interest rates and low energy prices.
0: Do you feel like that's good for the, you know, is that better for Wall Street or better for Main Street or both?
1: Great question. Uh, What's good for Wall Street and Main Street aren't always the same thing. Uh, The decline in energy prices is great news for Main Street. It's mixed for Wall Street, as we're seeing from some of the earnings uh, hit so far in January.
0: Well, you know, for the past couple of years, going to number two, I want to talk about the fact that inflation, you know, is going to, you're saying, will be contained. Uh, Jeff, I know you were talking about that earlier. Your thoughts about inflation, Jeff, quick?
2: Well, you know, last year we had eight-tenths of a percent increase in inflation. I think the thing that worries me more than anything, over the last several years, I've had a lot of economists talk about, we need more inflation. Bob, could you explain why we need more inflation?
1: Sure. Uh, par- part of deflation is not good for most anybody because it causes the system uh, to really struggle. A uh, high inflation rate is bad and negative inflation rate is bad. A, v- a very low one the Fed is targeted to is, uh, is, is the sweet spot. And I think confu- inflation will be very confusing this year. Thanks to oil prices, the headline inflation numbers will get close to zero The core inflation, ex-food and energy, is going to be about two. And wage rate inflation is going to start moving up as uh, we start seeing the fourth quarter with some raises coming along, finally.
2: You know, Nick and I are are write financial plans. We make predictions that are sometimes 30, 40, 50 years into the future. And we grew up with a 3% long-term inflation rate. Are we now settling in at something less than that?
1: Uh, maybe slightly. I mean, the 10-year projections that I make for the markets and the economy, I'm using a range of two to three. So we could be uh, at the high end of that uh, where we've been long term. But I-, I think we'll average a little bit lower than that uh, as global growth is a little slower, as the debt overhang keeps uh um, uh, rates and the economy contain so us uh, maybe slightly lower than where we've been, wouldn't that be good news?
0: But you also mentioned if we're going to contain inflation, that wage growth begins to increase. Um, that's a prediction.
1: Yes, it is, which it, it, I'm guessing 2.5%, which is nothing to worry about for the inflation rate, but is yet another tailwind for the consumer. Uh, this is the least believed economic recovery or equity bull market of my career. And I think if uh, uh, workers get a little bit of an increase, they'll start feeling a little bit better and actually believe the economy's OK finally.
0: That's good. Number three of the predictions, the Federal Reserve raises interest rates as short-term ri- rates rise more than long-term rates. Now, that's a, that's a prediction that we've been hanging on for uh, uh, quite some time.
1: Well, we think this is going to be the year. Um, uh, We think that there will be enough economic growth um, that uh, the Fed will see fit to begin the rate increase. Um, uh, Part of my contention, Jim is that rates aren't low from the Fed. There's zero. There's a big difference. I think our economy justifies low interest rates, not zero. Mm. And this is among the reasons why the I think, think the Fed gets started the normalization process this year.
0: Bob, you talk about that when you say you raise, you know, the interest rate's going up. That will be good for the equities. It shouldn't hurt the equities in 2015, but it could be some stress points on the bond market. Give us your thoughts there.
1: Yeah, as as we all know, rising interest rates come for lots of reasons. If they come because uh, the economy is doing a bit better, that's good for earnings and therefore good for stocks. But as we know, when rates go up, bonds go down. So we've had uh, a multiple-year period where both stocks and bonds have done well. I think we're heading into a period where stocks do okay and bonds begin to struggle a bit.
0: Well, that's uh, that's going to be a struggle for the investor for sure. Number four, and then we'll uh, kind of take a break after this one, but number four, the European Central Bank. We just talked about that a few minutes ago, starting quantitative in- easing, and uh, you're saying it's going to be a large-scale program.
1: Well, we got that last Thursday. This one we've gotten right early in the new year. <laughs> A long, long wait. How long would we wait for the ECB? The Germans finally blinked and said, ECB, okay, you can do it. Yep. Uh, I think, Jim, this is a necessary but not sufficient condition. For Europe to begin to get out of the mess that it's been in now for, for some time, Europe's got some problems.
0: Yeah, but you talk about Europe. And remember, this time last year, we were actually saying that international stocks were possibly a pretty good buy at the time. And they've struggled all of 2014. Do you see that struggle continue? Because I know you mentioned earlier a disinflationary or deflationary spiral. That was something like Japan fell into. Is that possible? You're thinking that's a where where Europe could go, or are thinking? Or are you hoping not?
1: Well, for starters, for the record, we did not like international international stocks last year. We much preferred the U.S. I still think the U.S. will outperform, but by a lesser margin. Uh, Europe's uh, problems are are manifold: the structural, demographic problems, the population shrinking. Uh, We know they've got one monetary policy and one currency, but a different budget fiscal policy for every country, a banking system that I think is uh, a bit undercapitalized. Jim, you put that all together. I'm not saying Europe's negative. The stocks are cheap, but uh, I'm not sure it gets out of its own way much past the the fumes, the good fumes that come from this ECB uh, massive easing.
0: Well, let's do one more before we take the break. And I know, Nick, you had talked about this earlier, and, the, you know, with, with the U.S. dollar getting stronger and stronger and stronger. The, Bob, what you're telling is the U.S. contributes more to global GDP growth than China for the first time since 2006. That's a big predi- prediction. I mean, there's a lot of people that just look at that and think China is so big, and how can we do that? But that's what you're predicting.
1: Yes, sir. Um, uh, This is the prediction of the 10 that's gotten the most attention in the press. 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, eight years in a row, every year, China contributed more to global GDP growth than we did. With some pickup in our economy here in the U.S. and some slowdown, and frankly, as an aside, I think China's slowing more than most people think. I think the lines cross, and uh, the U.S. contributes more this year.
0: Well, that's a a big prediction. If you just tuned in, our guest is Bob Dahl. He is the chief economist, chief investment strategist, and the senior portfolio manager for Nuveen Asset Management. Of course, a frequent guest of ours, and of course, a frequent guest on a lot of programs. We're looking at number six. Now, let me give you a quick review, if you just tuned in, to just a very quick review of the of the four that he's given us so far, the five. U.S. Uh, GDP grows 3%, and that's for the first uh, time since 2005. Core inflation remains contained. Uh, that's number two. Federal Reserve raises interest rates as short-term rates rise more than long-term rates. That's number three. You're, the ECB is already done. That's great. They do do their quantitative easing program that started last week. And then number five, U.S. contributes more to global GDP growth in China for the first time since 2006. Now, that's the five that we've talked about so far. Number six, U.S. equities enjoy another good yet volatile year as corporate earnings and the U.S. dollar rise. Nick, you had a question for, for Bob about that one. Yeah, Bob. It- since 2008 we've been experiencing quite the bull run and uh i wanted to get your take on whether or not you thought we had a uh, significant enough corrections last year or do you expect something big this year as far as a market correction
1: big i'm not sure corrections absolutely we had four of them last year uh i suspect we'll have at least that many um i i think that uh We're getting into the more mature stages of this bull market, and more mature stages tend to be bumpier, so meaning uh, up and down with the downs uh, painful from time to time. Uh, But we think by the end of the year, as the prediction suggests, uh, we'll we'll be up, but probably not by a whole lot.
0: Well, you know, when you talk about being up, but not by a whole lot, I mean, that's – but it's still – that's the place to be. We're looking at this uh, seventh consecutive year. And a good chance that we're probably looking at outperforming, as you said, Bob, uh, cash and and commodities and, you know, outpacing inflation. But do you feel that this is going to be a year of greater volatility or is it going to be a year that we can expect that the market will kind of just as it did in 2013, just kind of climb? You used to talk about the uh, wall of worry or or things like that. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, My view is we have entered a period of more normal volatility. It basically started October of last year for a whole host of reasons. We have been spoiled, Jim, as you know, with how low volatility has been. And when you tell people October till now has been average volatility, people say, you're crazy. When's it going to calm down? My answer is it's not. If you own stocks, you should expect over the long term a higher rate of return than cash and bonds and other things. But I say the penalty or the price you pay, you've got to go through life with your seatbelt and shoulder harness on because it's a bumpy ride.
2: Bob, where is investor sentiment headed right now? It seems like we've been so nervous for so long, uh, and this seems to be contributing to more of the same. Where, where are our investors? Well, today?
0: that's a great question, Jeff, because what, what he talks about, and Bob, I guess this is, you, you talk about the fact that this has been the most unbelievable market in your career.
1: Yes, the least believe bull market is what I say, and the least believe economic recovery. Investors are still skeptical. Uh, John Templeton made the phrase um, uh, that relates to sentiment, bull markets are born on pessimism, grow on skepticism, mature on optimism, and die on euphoria. We've got a lot of skeptics out there, and still, we're still climbing those walls of worry.
0: There you go. That's a, that's a good point. So it's, uh, it's been a good year. We're going to have some significant correction, and uh, the volatility is normal in the market. That's, what, uh, that's my takeaway from number six, that the U.S. equities enjoy another good yet volatile year. Number seven, the technology, healthcare, care, and telecom sectors outperform utilities, energy, and materials. All right, Bob, that's number seven.
1: Yes, uh, technology and healthcare have in common, Jim, that they, they do well in periods where unit growth is important and the absence of ability to raise prices. That's why we like them. On the other hand, energy and materials require price increases. We ain't got none in this environment, so that's we don't exactly, like them particularly. Exactly right. That leaves tele, tech, telecom versus utilities. We prefer the former from an income standpoint to, to, to the latter.
0: So, you know, energy, what's wrong with utilities? I mean, this has been a kind of a stable. What's wrong with utilities, in your thoughts?
1: Uh, they're expensive relative to the rest of the market, and if interest rates start going up, that's usually an environment where utilities didn't so do so well. Utilities did well in 2014, largely because interest rates fell. If interest rates begin to rise, we think utilities uh, will underperform.
2: Bob, you know, I've heard it said that we have been chasing after uh, yield for several years because interest rates are so low. And these investments that we're talking about have relatively high yield. What will happen to the utilities and the master limited partnerships and the REITs if we do get a significant interest rate bump?
1: Uh, they'll at best trade sidewise. I think more likely they'll have some correction because, as you point out, they've been very, very good places to be. Hmm. Uh, I, I, I think that um, it doesn't mean investors have to run for the hills, but I think they should should not be over concentrated in those areas. They've made good money there.
0: Well, so its historical performance is not an indication of future performance. Is the best way to look at that, I guess. Isn't it, Bob?
1: Probably right. And again, it comes back to interest rates. If you think interest rates are going to keep falling, hold on to those utilities; will do just fine.
0: All right, number eight, oil prices. This is the topic of the day. I mean, everybody is enjoying. I mean, you go to the gas station now, you put in, uh, you know, twenty dollars, twenty five dollars, and I like you, it. You can you can actually drive away and come back in a week, and uh, so I mean, the consumer, Bobby, you got to realize we're all excited about lowering oil prices, but that is not very good for the market. Give us your thoughts. At the moment, eight. it's
1: not. I think earnings are a real conundrum for the market these days because the energy decline energy and related company earnings immediately to the downside. But the benefit to other things like the consumer happens over time. In other words, if oil prices drop, the energy company has reduced earnings immediately. But you and me, every time we go to the gas station, if we have an extra 20 bucks, we may not spend it immediately. We may collect a bunch of 20s and eventually say, let's take a vacation. And that may not help the economy till summertime.
0: Well, that's a great point. I was listening to something yesterday on the news where they were interviewing someone here locally, they uh, about the fact that they were enjoying a, a great you know savings at the at the pump. What were they going to do with it? And it it was amazing because uh, you they interviewed about five people and they got five different answers. It was not like we're going to save it or we're going to go spend it. It was just told some were saving it, some were spending it, but we are enjoying lower prices, Jeff.
2: Well, yeah, I guess I want to do a little bit of macro stuff right here because. We feel it at yeah, the okay, pump. It careful. feels really, really be good. Careful. But this can't be good globally, can it? What's, what's well, going I on think in Saudi Albanians Arabia? It is
1: because there are far more consumers than our producers. It doesn't mean there aren't certain places to get hit. If, you, if you're a country that all you do is produce oil, $100 was a lot of fun. $50 is not so much fun. Exactly. But, again, because there are far more consumers than producers, this is a net positive for the planet.
0: Will this
2: produce any more political instability? I mean, we're all watching Mr. Putin in Russia and wondering what he's going to do next. What is this going to do to them?
1: Yeah, there's no question. Uh, Part of Saudi Arabia, who's been the swing producer's view, is we're not going to be the swing producer and cut production this time because we have some people to punish. Uh, We don't particularly care for the Russians. We don't particularly care for the Iranians. And so uh, they're they're squeezing them, no question about it. And by the way, I think they're also sending a a not-so-subtle message to the United States. If you want to frack – and drill and get more oil out of the ground, U.S. Fine, but you've gone overboard. We're the kings of oil. Don't mess with it. So I, I think you're right. This a dramatic way to say this is we're at war, but it's over oil rather than with bullets.
0: Yeah. So it's the old gas pump wars. <laughs>
2: well, you know, I, you know, we had this huge surge with the energy development here in the U.S. And you know, that's well, this is great. You know, we're drilling again. We're pumping it out of the ground again. We got new new pipelines coming on board. This is all good, and now you're telling me that the Saudis could just keep on opening up their pumps, and we we well, you know, stop. you hear
0: that, Jeff. You hear that a lot that they're they're going to control oil. Correct. So we're battling it, Bob. Is that what you're saying? We're going to battle that 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 battle, and uh, is our chances of staying ahead and winning that one pretty good? Or your thoughts on that? That's a good question, Jeff.
1: Well, I, I think it's it, it's not so much the U.S. versus Saudi Arabia, although that's a subplot. It's more how hard back to your first question on this subject how hard does it hit russia uh and iran and what does vladimir putin do does he make some desperado move that's uh, troublesome to the world Mm,
0: that's a that's a great question that's a, a lot of people have that on their mind so number eight was oil prices fall further before ending the year higher than where they began so that's number eight's prediction number nine U.S. equities, U.S. equity mutual funds show their first significant inflows since 2004. And again, this is about your skepticism to optimism, the disbelief from the about the bull market to belief of the bull market, Bob. So is this going to give that chance for the managers to outperform the indexes this year? Is that going to be Helpful. helpful or what?
1: Hopefully so. We know managers typically do better in uh, more volatile environments and rising rather than falling interest rates environment. rate environments. Look, for this one to come true, two things have to happen. The stock market has to be okay. And investor sentiment has to improve. We have to have a few less skeptics and a few more optimists. And I think there's enough good news for the U.S. consumer that that's got a shot at happening.
0: So this is because we're in this eighth year of this of this move of the bull market. And so it's time, that cycle where uh, the the skeptic says, okay, the market's absolutely going to do good. Now I get in. That's what you're saying
1: we that that's a good hope
0: yeah that's all right number 10 and this was always one of the ones that i enjoy the most because this is always a political and, uh type of in uh, you know prediction the republican and democratic presidential nominees remain wide open that's your so by the end of this year we're still not going to know who's going to be running is that what you're saying yeah, I think that we're not going to know who's going to be
1: nominated. We, we, you know, that's consensus on the Republican side. We know there are kind of like 100 candidates, it seems, running on the Republican side. The Democratic side, most people think Hillary's got it sewed up the day she announces. I'm not saying she won't get the nomination, Jim. I'm just saying because her support is only uh, an inch deep, even though it's a mile wide, there are some issues. And we'll sort that over time. In the meantime, we all know since the midterm elections in November, sadly, both parties are already posturing for 16, which means they're probably not going to get a lot done that we need uh, doing uh, in Washington, D.C.
2: What is it right now, Bob, that we need to get done?
1: Well, I think uh, we've got to decide what we're going to do about immigration. There's all kinds of cross currents that have huge effect on the economy. Uh, uh, trade. We need to renew some open trade uh, legislation with uh, parts of the world if we want to keep our economy going. Uh, We've got to deal with the fact that our corporate tax rates, the highest in the world, if we expect companies not to continue to move overseas. So they're among the things that I think it'd be great if we got done.
0: I read something that, Bob, you had said, equity seemed poised for additional gains in 2015. But, and I'd like for you to give us what you got after that statement.
1: Yeah, it's it's we have had a wonderful bull market to date, and if you were in the wrong stocks, you still made money, just less money than the next guy. I think that's changing as we hit in a more mature phase of the bull market, where security selection becomes critical. If you're not in the right stocks, you're going to lose money. So uh, selectivity becomes critically important, Jim,
0: and that becomes really kind of the the idea behind the portfolio manager uh doing his job and having the discretion to move within what he's trying to pick and I, and I, again you did extremely well last year uh domestics have done real well so you're saying that this could be a very good year for because of the volatility and the stock selection that investment managers this could be a good year having come out of a bad year
1: yes uh hopefully that's the case it will uh uh, take that security selection. I like to say if cheap stocks with improving fundamentals outperform expensive stocks with deteriorating fundamentals, active managers have a chance.
0: <laughs> I like the way you put that. All right, number six, the prediction is U.S. equities enjoy another good year, yet volatile year as corporate earnings and the U.S. dollar rise. Number seven, the technology, health care, and telecom sectors outperform utilities, energy, and materials. Number eight, all prices fall further before ending the year higher than they were uh, at the beginning. And number nine, U.S. equity mutual funds show their first significant inflows since 2004. And, of course, the Republican and the Democratic presidential nominations remain wide open. That's the 10 predictions. Bob, t- just summarize for us. What do you look for in 2015?
1: Yeah, we think it's going to be a much tougher year for investors, kind of no matter where you are, Jim. You can still make money, but selection uh, is going to be absolutely key, as we just mentioned. I still think even though stocks may not have a big number behind the plus sign, the stocks will have outperformed cash and bonds and inflation and commodities. Uh, So and uh, to repeat, we're going to have a more normal volatility year, which means Keep your seatbelt and shoulder harness fastened because uh, equities are a bumpy ride. But the bull market is not over. Bull markets end on euphoria, and we don't have a whole lot of it yet.
0: So we're still some skepticism. Euphoria's not there, but it looks like it's going to be a big year. But buckle your seatbelts because it's going to be – As normal, a volatile year, and normal volatility is the market's going to move up and the market will move down. Bob, it's always a pleasure, sir. I appreciate you so much taking the time out of your very busy schedule to be a part of our program. Bob Dahl, Senior Portfolio Manager and Chief Equity Strategist for Nuveen Asset Management. Sir, thank you, and I appreciate you. Have a wonderful day, sir.
1: My privilege. All the best.
0: Thank you. You know, guys, he does a wonderful job in that prediction. He, he lays it out for us. He tells us what's going on. And, of course, if you just tuned in, you're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You have Jeff Long. He's a certified financial planner. Nick Sowell, certified financial planner. And we've been talking uh, about the top ten predictions. Nick, what did you hear? Is there anything there that kind of struck you? You're in the planning department at the, at the firm. You've got to think about what you're investing and how you're putting things together. Thoughts? Uh, My biggest takeaway was that um, here in America, our economy is very strong. It's kind of leading the rest of the world. Um, And there's opportunities in the market still, even though we've been in such a long bull market. That's a great point. And and I like the fact that he said we're not in that euphoric stage yet. I mean, there's still opportunity. Uh, It's not overpriced. And so uh, still got some some room to grow. The most
2: non-believed recovery. I think those were meaningful words to me that, you know, it's there. The statistics show it's there. Uh, the talking heads in the evening on TV tell us it's there. We're in recovery, but we don't believe it. Mm-hmm. And it shows up in in the way people behave with their money.
0: Well, I've got something for you, Mr. Long. I, I, I've got an investment that obviously you wish you might have made. Okay. All right? In 1964. Good year. You're good year. <laughs> Good year. <laughs> Good year. Well, if you would have bought this car, maybe you did. Maybe you had one of these. It was a 1964 Ferrari. Did you have one in
2: 1964? No, I had a
0: 1953 Studebaker. <laughs> well, you might well have shown up on the Studebaker. But if you would have kept that Studebaker, I don't know what the value But But if you had been fortunate enough to bought a 1964 Ferrari, uh, and, you know, you could have held on to it. There were only 20, excuse me, only 32 built. It was a V12 engine. Got my attention. 320 horsepower. <laughs> that's, that's a big car. <laughs> but just in case you wanted to know, if you had kept it, I don't know what a you Oh, I would have kept it. Yeah, you would have still had it. It sold recently at an auction back in January, back on the 18th in Phoenix, Arizona 4. You ready for this? I don't know. $100? <laughs> a little higher, I think. <laughs> Eight. Point seven million dollars. A car. A car. Eight point mm. seven. Well, but it's a three hundred and twenty horsepower Ferrari, nineteen sixty four.
2: So we should all invest in rare <laughs> Absolutely. automobiles.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> that's the way to do it. And buy them and hang on. <laughs> Forget the volatility. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, it's been good. Views and opinions
1: expressed are those of Bob Dahl only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Shoemaker Financial or Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services do not make any representations as to the accuracy, compliance, or
2: effectiveness of its content.